Uh, I'm going to say no one's better than me. But <laughs> Are you ready? Last time we did this show, last Tuesday, I asked for help coming up with a name for the fans pod here on Locked On Dolphins. And it did not disappoint. Uh, I've got a catchy little name here. Welcome to Power to the Pod, right? Dolphins. Dolphins live in pods. Pods, podcasts. Power to the pod, power to you, power to the people. Locked on Dolphins fan episode, edition 2.0 under yours truly, Kyle Krabs' management. Excited to got some great questions today. Uh, I put out the hit at 8 o'clock this morning. Submit your Miami Dolphins questions, podmates. And uh, we record to have this out by noon. It's now 10 a.m. So I've got a boatload of questions from you, the pod, and I hope to get as many of them in. So without further ado, I'd like to crack this thing open. Was that a beer? I'll never tell. It wasn't. It was a Red Bull. And uh, <laughs> Dolphins Argentina is up first. And he's a great question regarding a draft prospect that will be relevant to the Miami Dolphins. Why is the TDN, the Draft Network community, so low on USC offensive tackle Austin Jackson. He is getting a lot of love. I wonder if he is a better prospect than Josh Jones for the Miami Dolphins. This is a great question. Because with all draft prospects, beauty is in the eye of the beholder, right? Uh, for me, neither Josh Jones or Austin Jackson will carry a first-round grade. But I make that statement understanding full well that they have a realistic chance of going in the first round. They're not ideal values for me. So Austin Jackson uh, is a player who I've got a, a late two, early three round grade on as far as ideally in a vacuum, what would he be worth? Why? Uh, he's He needs work with his hand technique. And that was, that was a gripe that I had had with uh, a Dillard from... Washington State in last year's draft class who went in the first round, Andre Dillard, uh, to the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, my player summary of on, on Austin Jackson's is as follows. He's a promising offensive tackle prospect who has all the physical tools to develop into a quality starter. But there's significant improvement needed in his fundamentals before he's ready to fill such a role. Jackson's footwork, hand placement, weight distribution, and framing of blocks are all currently inconsistent, and early reps as a rookie are likely to yield irregular and inconsistent results. Jackson is likely best in a zone-heavy rushing offense where his mobility can win spacing at the point of attack. Really nimble for a big dude. I think that's the first thing that stands out. Uh, but his football IQ, what I mean by that is his technique and all those, those areas that I talked about as far as angles to not overset your blocks, uh, making sure that your base is established and, and you don't compromise your base when somebody flashes across your face as a pass rusher and cross your feet over or get too narrow where then you're off balance and can get you know hit with a hand counter or get hit with speed to power and now you've been thrown off your block. Hand placement, strike timing as far as maximizing his length and keeping those angles steep for rushers around the outside. All of those things for 
Austin Jackson, who's 6'6", 310 pounds, are in need of improvement. Now, Josh Jones, 6'5", 311. I think he's more athletic. Uh, He's a little bit lighter on his feet. I think he is a little bit cleaner with his hands. Uh, His footwork still needs work from the ground up. So both these guys, admittedly, will be guys that need a little patience when they get to the NFL. Nonetheless, a great question. Next take comes from Tom. Tom trying to double dip here. Tom, I see you, man. You're only going to get one. Hmm. Let's do the Tunsil one, because Tunsil's a hot-button issue for the Dolphins. With a report surrounding the Laramie Tunsil, would you consider giving the Texans back either 26 or their 2021 first to bring him home? Yeah. If you didn't see this, (laughs) man, the Houston Texans have called the Washington Redskins to explore the possibility of Trent Williams. Less than a year after trading two ones and a two for Laramie Tunsil. And there's some speculation as to why Houston's doing this. Uh, perhaps because Tunsil is going to ask for the moon uh, when he hits free agency with his second contract. And Houston looking ahead, knowing they're going to have to pay Deshaun Watson. I think they got like $55 million in cap space at their disposal right now. But between what you will pay Deshaun Watson with his next contract and what you would pay Laramie Tunsil, that would take every cent of it. Houston uh, and not having <laughs> not having a first-round pick for each of the next two years. They're, for top 100 picks, the Houston Texans have a two this year and a three next year. And that's it. That's all they have. So this is what the Dolphins have done in the past with aggressive, all-in, team-building approach on a few players on steroids. Uh, Houston is in a tough spot. So I think they're kind of looking at the writing on the wall here, and they're like, well, gee whiz, maybe we shouldn't have traded all this assets for a guy that we're going to have to pay a big contract to. Would I send a first-round pick back? The only way I'm sending the first-round pick is if I'm telling Houston, you can get your 2021 pick back. I'm keeping all the picks from this year because you got to have them play for you last year. So you want them back, you could take your one next year back. Would I do it? It'd be a huge box checked. uh, And with the Dolphins kind of clearing the books from cap space, I'd at least consider it. I don't know how realistic it is. And, And Tunsil, if anything, would probably be a trade chip in a Trent Williams deal because they have no assets. Houston has no assets to trade for Trent Williams. They could trade like their two and their three from the next two years and maybe get him. And then they've got no, no top on her picks each of the next two years. So Tunsil is almost as likely to be included in the next trade. If Houston moves on and, and postures themselves to get a slightly cheaper option in Trent Williams, uh, than he would be to be coming back to Miami. Uh, the commish, do you or will you be coming down to Miami or going to away games to get some media access throughout the season, similar to what Travis did? The answer here, dramatic pause, is yes, I will be. I, I'm hoping to come down for training camp this summer. Um, I am hoping to get to a couple of games. Obviously, I live in the the Mid-Atlantic, so New England and New York for the Jets games, they're fairly easily attainable for me as far as uh, getting getting access to the stadiums. They're within a driving distance. Maybe not Foxborough. It'd be a long drive. But 
definitely on the table, definitely definitely hoping to do training camp, at least one home game and at least one or two away games. So uh, you will have opportunities to, to have me boots on the ground throughout uh, the 2020 season. Daring Dave, what if Flores' plan is to go with Ryan Fitzpatrick and Josh Rosen in 2020, build the offensive and defensive lines in free agency in the draft, then who would they draft in the first round for 2020 with no quarterback? We know this isn't the plan, right? As long as we know this is not the plan, Dave, I'm more than happy to go through the hypotheticals with you. I'm more than happy to discuss. If you are the Dolphins and you're like, yeah, I'm good with Ryan Fitzpatrick and I am good with Josh Rosen and those are my quarterbacks for this year, how can I best build this team moving forward? This parlays into a question that I got from Chris. question from Chris was, I know you're a big stay at five guy but can you explore trade-down possibilities? Who would be a good partner, and what will we get? This is the way. If you're not going to take a quarterback, the number one priority for your football team moving forward is to get the picks you need to get one of the top quarterbacks next year. So if you look and you say, well, Joe Burrow ain't going to happen, even though Armando Salgaro with the Miami Herald is reporting that the Dolphins are going to make a run at trading for him, but we'll see. Um, you have to manufacture that third first-round pick in 2021. How you get there, easiest way to do it, trade back from five. So, looking at the draft order, you've got the the perhaps... The aggressive teams, the aggressive teams that are going to be by, behind Miami. Chargers won't trade up. Panthers won't trade up. Panthers also want picks. If you're deferring quarterback to 2021, you're going to be racing against the Panthers. And the Panthers are also going to be trying to trade down. So Miami having a higher pick will work to their advantage in that respect. Don't see the Cardinals trading up. Don't see the Jaguars trading up. They've got two first-round picks. They can kind of just sit here and let this board come to them. The Cleveland Browns under new management is probably going to be fairly conservative. Miami's not going to deal, do a deal with the New York Jets. Indianapolis Colts, they've got the picks. It would go against their character to trade up. Uh, the Las Vegas Raiders could definitely make a splash, and if you were to sell them on trading up, if they love a quarterback, and the Raiders, you know, you want to trade trade back the Raiders if you can get 12 next year's two and one of my and one of the Vegas's three first round picks this year I think you at least get the conversation started I don't think that's enough to get a deal done uh, the Raiders would probably let's yeah let's do it let's pull up the trade value chart my producer aka myself it's got the trade value chart up here so Miami's picks Fifth pick is worth 1,700 points. If the Vegas Raiders wanted to trade up, the 12th pick is worth 1,200. The 19th pick, the other one that they have, is worth 875. So those two picks alone could feasibly, according to the trade value chart, get it done. But if you're coming up for a quarterback, you're probably going to have to overpay to some degree. Miami could say, hey, if you give us 12, 19, and next year's one, you got yourself a deal. Would the Raiders do that? 
I have a hard time seeing it. I really do. Uh, this is a deep draft class. Giving up two top 20 picks to move up to five and next year's one is ambitious. But I've done this case study before where I have looked at uh, the cost to trade up from different spaces in the draft to get into the, the top five for a quarterback. And typically you have to overpay by the equivalent of a first-round pick to get there, which, you know, the 12 and 19 would cost the Raiders or, or would it be a combined point value of 2,000 points. Miami's pick is worth 1,700, so you need a pick that's valued at approximately 700 points. If the, if the Dolphins say, hey, we'll take next year's one and be done with it, next year's one, if you want to call it the middle of the round, it's about 1,000 points. So Miami might have to send back 70. So you're talking 5 and 70 for 12, 19, and next year's one. I'd love to see that materialize, to be honest with you, if they don't love the quarterbacks. It's a big if. Another team that could possibly be a trade-up option is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, a sneaky team that I think has the chance to be aggressive. Uh, they need a quarterback uh, with Jameis Winston as a free agent. They are a team who, with a head coach in Bruce Arians, who likes to be bold uh, as far as what they have as picks at their disposal. They have less than the Raiders do. They've got one pick in each of the first three rounds. They've got 14, 45, 76, 114, 139 are their picks in the top 150. So, Tampa, 14, 45, Next year's one, and probably the year after's two, which is kind of similar to what the Carson Wentz deal was. Those would be options as far as what your asking price is for those teams if they wanted to jump up. Uh, who would they draft? Who would Miami draft in a trade back scenario? Because if if you're going to stay, if you're not going to pick a quarterback, you can't pick at five. No, there's too much depth in this class. There's too many needs in this team to justify sitting put at five. I think you could get blue chip players in the, the early team. You could get a blue chip player at 12 or, or 14. There's a realistic chance Caleb on chase on the pass rusher would be a name. You could take like Jeff Akuda at five. If he, if Detroit doesn't take him or Jeffrey Simmons and, or Isaiah Simmons, not Jeffrey Simmons. And, and I'd be fine with those. But I think if you move back to 12, you're still in a strike zone, 12, 13, 14, you're still in a position to get one of the top four offensive tackles. You're still in a position position to potentially land Caleb on chase on with your second pick. Now you've got a bonus pick here in the teens. You want to get a, a defensive back, perhaps, uh, whether it's CJ Henderson or Grant Delpit or Xavier McKinney or or you know, whatever wets your whistle on that front. And now you've got 26. You could take an interior offensive lineman. So if you did the trade back, hypothetically, let's call it with the Raiders. You get 12, 19, next year's one. You could walk away with Andrew Thomas, Kalevon Chason, Xavier McKinney or Grant Delpit, and then Cesar Ruiz, the interior offensive lineman. That's a really good group of guys, of course. And then you have the three first-round picks next year to, if you need to give all three plus a fourth away, if you did that, and then you continue to to build out and have all these picks, and you know you're selective in free agency, and you feel like we've got a really young core, we've got multiple uh, 
second round picks in, in 2021 as well. We're ready to give all three first round picks to go up for a quarterback. You might as well be willing to give up that, that 2022 first round pick too. Really? If, cause if you defer it, get the job done. Do I think that happens? No, but that's the hypothetical. Uh, Cam, realistically, how many issues do you think and expect Miami to fix this offseason alone? How many get pushed to next year? Can we expect to really be a contender by next year, or is this a long rebuild? I think it's a long rebuild, but I think you can expect to get quarterback done. I can expect the interior or the offensive line to be heavily invested in between the NFL draft and free agency. And I think outside pass rusher. I think you could see some some defensive back depth. There's a lot of good mid-round safety, so I don't think safety's an area. I think you'll see that they'll make a run at, run at Logan Ryan, the defensive back from Tennessee who has experience playing with the, the Patriots. Uh, but I think whether it's Antoine Winfield or Jeremy Chan or Kyle Duggar, or, or the, there's a lot of really good guys available that are going to be there at 39, 56, and 70. Ashton Davis from Cal who's a little bit more of a true free safety guy, but a, a guy with a track background. Uh, he's a pretty dense kid. He's, he's 6'1", 195. I like Alohi Gilman from Notre Dame as a potential uh, strong safety guy. You've got some safety hybrids like uh, Antoine Brooks Jr. from Maryland, who's probably a day three kid. Terrell Burgess from Utah. There's options in the, in the secondary. I expect you'll see a lot of safety flexibility added to this team, safety kind of nickel hybrid defenders. Gives you a lot of uh, multiplicity on the back end of your defense. So, offensive line, maybe not completely fixed, but you'll get three plus starters on the offensive line new next year. You're going to get a quarterback of the future. You're going to get some outside pass rush help and bodies in the secondary. I don't think the secondary will be completely done. I don't think the offensive line will get completely finished, but I don't think they're going to be like, yeah, we got one guy, we're good. Question from Matt. This is a good question. What can we get, if anything, for Josh Rosen, or do we just keep him? Complicated question, because Josh Rosen's value will never be worse than what it is right now. And I can say that with confidence. Because the Dolphins traded a two. They traded back and took that two and traded it for Josh Rosen. And, you know, through the Kenyon Drake deal, they got the five back, so it's just the two. They just traded whatever, 60, 62, whatever it was. Rosen comes in, new offense, really struggles to get the pre-snap stuff right. He plays three games, he looks terrible. He's benched for Fitzpatrick. Fitzpatrick, in a pure chaos scenario, comes in, plays some of the best football in his career over 10 games. Rosen does have a better arm. Just from pure arm talent, he has a better arm than Ryan Fitzpatrick. But if you have to, if you take that long to process information, and if you cannot consistently get it right, and I was totally wrong as far as my original opinion of Josh Rosen, I was a big supporter of the prospect of bringing him in. I uh, thought it was a low risk move. It was a swing of the bat. You hear people talk about take a quarterback every year until you get one. That's what they did, and it was minimal money, and it was a mitigated draft risk because you trade it back and replace the two. That's how Miami has two twos this year. This is last year's two originally. Um, I don't think you're going to be able to run him out there to anybody with the tape that he put on display in Miami and the tape that he put on display in Arizona. 
knowing that he got discounted from pick 10 to pick 62, what are you going to get? Like Miami, I'm all for not holding on to your mistakes, but he is an asset if you use him properly as far as being a piece that can hold value to teams down the road. So you gotta you got to hide him, you got to coach him, you got to nurture him and develop him as much as possible, which is why I was so frustrated with the way they handled changing the quarterback position after the Washington game because Brian Flores came out that week before before the Washington game and said the quarterback position settled. It's Josh Rosen. And then Rosen goes out for his third start. He doesn't even get into the fourth quarter, and they pull him. And Flores is, has no comment after the game about it. And then two days later, makes the change back to Fitzpatrick. I really feel like that that probably hurt Josh Rosen's confidence as a player, and I know there's some that that don't want to be sensitive to player confidence, and, and to a certain degree, I get it, right? Because if you're a quarterback, you want a killer. But Rosen got knocked around so much in his three years at UCLA. He got knocked around his rookie year in, in Washington, got bailed on after one year, and then got bailed on despite a public backing from his coach. So I think there's a... a deep hole that Josh Rosen, the football player, is in to be valuable, and the rest of the league is going to sniff that out pretty easily. So if Miami goes out and gets a quarterback, and you've got Fitz, Rosen, and a quarterback, Rosen's probably, arguably, your QB3. So teams are going to look at that, and they're going to mitigate the value there, too. So I think Miami's got to play the long game with Rosen. they got several years of control left. They're going to have to try and hope he shows strong in the preseason at some point along the way. Hope somebody has an opening, and then you can flip him. I don't think this is something that we'll be talking about trading Josh Rosen during the draft this year or anything like that. Jared, man, this is a brutal question in in all the right kind of ways, man. Pick five players, free agency or the draft, that you think could be on the Dolphins roster next year. Joe Thune, Logan Ryan. <sighs> Antoine Winfield Jr. J.K. Dobbins. <laughs> Shoot. I need one more. To a tongue of oil. Maybe not new names, but, I mean, if there's enough smoke there, there's fire, right? So I think that's enough there that we can confidently point to those guys as candidates at the very least. Do you like the idea, this is from Jack, do you like the idea of the Dolphins playing games in London again? Lousy to lose a home game, but good for us fans across the pond. I am very much a proponent of the league embracing the worldwide fan base. But you're never going to have an easy time telling fans you get less games at home because we're going to send one abroad. Um, so it's 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 a very controversial. It's it's a, I've got conflicting feelings as far as losing home games. Uh, I used to be a Philadelphia 76 season ticket holder living in the, the Philadelphia area, and. We generally had the tickets, me and a couple of friends, uh, to go to a handful of games, but then we would flip the rest. And they um, played the Boston Celtics 
and it was in like January. And they moved the game to the O2 Arena in London. And that was like such a big... So that that's the closest I can relate to losing out on a home Dolphins game. It's never been a Dolphins season ticket holder, but I have lost a home game, arguably one of the most important home games all season, to an abroad trip. And that stunk. I'm going to be honest. It really stunk. But at the same time, you know, fans overseas, they should have a chance to to have those exciting things. And I think it's really cool to see the turnout that they get over there because it is such an event and it's special for them. So uh, I get it both ways. Uh, but I do think the league is on the right track as far as trying to expand the appeal of the game across seas. Uh, DW, Drew. Minus reading into things that suggest they've given up on Rosen or what the brain trust values a top-five quarterback. Reggie McKenzie took Derek Carr second round. Flores came in from the Pats who developed quarterbacks late, like a draft pick factory. Marvin Allen was involved in Mahomes, who went 10th overall. All right. The question is, what suggests that the Dolphins have given up on Josh Rosen? The way they handled pulling him at the end of last season, or at, at, during last season in October? Um I get kind of Josh came in here and everyone kind of read the writing on the wall and said, wow, like he's dealing with a loaded deck. That's not great. And they're not wrong. Josh came in and it's a really terrible situation for a young quarterback. Um, I'm not saying they've given up on him, but I think you can tell based on never mind the playing environment. I think you could tell based on a, a player's demeanor and body language and and how they connect with their teammates. And it didn't seem like that was an area that, that, I mean, Josh had spoken about how he was kind of being a sponge from Ryan Fitzpatrick on all areas. And even though the, the, the quality of the offensive play at times wasn't good with Ryan Fitzpatrick on, the players responded to Fitz. And that's an intangibles thing. And I think seeing that is enough for Miami to say, hey, this is probably not the guy that's going to be the special quarterback that we need uh, to take us to the next level. Politically Finn correct. Early predictions on Dolphins comeback player of the year. That's an excellent question. Um, maybe Jakeem Grant. I'd like to see Jakeem Grant get a good chance. Xavier Howard is the no-brainer pick, right? So I think you've got guys on both sides that that can make explosive plays and big plays happen. And uh, if Jakeem is back in a special teams role and, and as a niche wide receiver, I think he can do a lot of really good things with the spacing of a Chan Gailey type offense. Uh, I think that would be very helpful for Miami to get him back in full capacity. But Xavier Howard, uh, his ball hawking skills is obviously the big standout. Ben Bruce, with how Flores didn't shy away from trick plays, do you see a strong poker game translating to the draft and trading up and down? Absolutely. I mean, you see this team right now. This, this team has gone from being in love with Tua to being in love with Justin Herbert to being in love with Jordan Love to being in love with Joe Burrow in a span of like three weeks. They're probably all sitting down there in Davy laughing their asses off. Oh, my God. They took another headline. And people are eating it up. And the Dolph Dolphins fans everywhere on Twitter are losing their minds. Of, oh, my God. They can't. They can't give up four first-round picks for Joe Burrow. They have all these needs. Or, man, they can't sit at five and draft Justin Herbert. He's too much like Ryan Tannehill. Or 
it's they are absolutely playing the game, and it's been masterful to watch because, and I have an appreciation for it as somebody who you know initially got into football media, aspiring to be a scout slash general manager someday. There's been a narrative for who Miami's been attached to this whole time, and all of a sudden, like it's it's still there, but it's like, well, maybe that's what they wanted us to think. So now there's this paranoia around the Tua and Dolphins stuff that's really kind of amusing to watch after literally 12 months of nothing but Miami Tua, Miami Tua, Miami Tua. I don't even know. I don't know if they still love Tua the degree that, you know, it was rumored that they were. I'm going to trust him either way. I, I have trust in the coaching staff. But, um, yeah, I absolutely think they are playing games with the media. They're playing games with teams they're negotiating with. And that's a good way to do business. Uh, Gus, this one just came in while recording. How similar is Ashton Davis and Antoine Winfield? Uh, which would you rather have on the Fins? Can they both play at the same time? Yes, I think they can. I think they're they're different players, and, and Winfield has some free safety, middle-of-the-field ability, but Ashton Davis is much more of a deep safety, single-high isolated type player. Antoine Winfield is a little bit more of a Buda Baker, if you're familiar with Buda Baker from Arizona, a honey badger type player that can do a lot of things down in the nickel and strong safety. And you can play in free safety if you need to. Uh, you can play matchup man-to-man against slot receivers. So I, I think Winfield is more multiple. Davis is more of a single high type guy. Taylor, would you give up 26 for Yannick? I probably would. Uh, I think Yannick's awesome. I do do have some questions on how much of a raw... If, are the Dolphins going to want a player of that size profile as their primary outside pass rusher? That's my only pause. I would have no problem with it, but I don't know how married the Dolphins are to some of their size prototypes at this point. It's still pretty early on. So I would I would give it because I think the cost of what Yannick Ngakwe is is a better pass rusher than what you're going to get 26, no questions asked. That's my opinion. Uh, I think there's two really good pass rush prospects, Chase Young, Caleb on Chase Young. Chase Young will be going by eight, 18 at the latest. So if you don't get Chase on, 26 for Yannick, he's a better football player, he's still 24, 25 years old. They've got the money to give him. Yeah, I'd say let's go. Let's get one more. Let's get one more good take. You guys really brought the heat today. Um, oh, we got a Dak Prescott question from Seth. If Dak Prescott gets free, is it worth paying him 30 to $35 million a year and giving up what I guess would be the fifth and maybe 18th pick? Has he shown enough to be a winning quarterback? Dak's popular guy to hate on social media, and I don't get it. I think Dak's really good. Uh, Dak is a really cool story of a guy, mid-round pick, came in, was literally a hand-the-ball-off-and-don't-kill-us-on-offense quarterback first, uh, and has developed into this guy who really thrives in play-action passing and with his mobility and, and strong leadership intangibles, and he's tough. I think he checks a ton of boxes. I think your price point, you're, you're toeing the line, Seth. Dak, uh, Dallas offered him 33 and 105 million guaranteed. He wants more. And it's because he looks at quarterbacks like Jared Goff and Carson Wentz, who at this point he's better than both those guys. 
uh, Wentz more from a durability standpoint. And he's definitely better than Jared Goff. Those guys are making more money than he is. Same draft class. He says, well, if I'm, if I'm better than these guys and I was drafting the same class as them, why should I take less money than them? So that's kind of the... This is why I'm always a proponent of set the market, right? Because if you got a guy who's set to hit free agency, the Xavier Howard thing, they aggressively got on top of that contract. Because if they would have waited and Xavier Howard was primed to hit free agency, and some of the numbers that, you, that you're going to get tossed around with another year of people paying as, as you get expansion with salary cap and whatnot, you'd be paying the same player probably 3 or $4 million more per year. So always set the market if you get the chance to do so. And Dallas has kind of backed themselves into a corner here where they're going to probably have to franchise that exclusive tag him. Uh, hope they can iron out a long-term deal. I expect they will, but Dak expects to get paid better than the players that he's better than. So 35, 36 mils, probably where you're going to go. Would he be worth 5 and 18? No, not with where this team is. This Dolphins team is in their life cycle. I think if you told me that you can get Dak and it could come at the idea of five and next year's one, if I can split the ones over two years, I'm doing it. But to give up five and 18 for Dak with the, the needs that this team has, the scarcity to pass rush prospects, the vast needs across the offensive line, I think that's too rich. So if you, if Dallas you realized, hey, we're not going to get a deal done, and if I'm Miami, I call and say, hey, we'll give you our one and next year's one. For Dak, what do you think? And I think that would that would be my best offer. And then paying Dak 35, 36 mil per year. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode of Power to the Pod. I can't wait to bring, bring next week's out just so I could say it again. It like clicked. It was the light bulb thing. It's like, yes, it's going to stick. We're going to make it stick. And we're going to make it stick thanks to all of you. So if you have questions for next week, tweet at Locked On Fins with a PH, with the hashtag Power to the Pod. And I'll pull the best ones and make sure they get here on the air. Kyle Krabs signing off. Thanks for listening to Locked On Dolphins.